celebrating our graduates yeah. so if you graduated from eighth grade and are moving into high school please come forward Uh -uh. In, your, in your left 
if you happen to graduate with a doctorate or a PhD. Yeah. Orlando! <laughs> Part time for Shoreline, as well as Isabel over there. Thanks for the children's ministry work you're doing. I got a message from uh, from Isabel's department of children's ministry. She's she's there. She's taking charge for the month of July. We are looking for two volunteers. Two volunteers. Here's our challenge as a church. No matter what church you go to, they always make this announcement. So yes. don't, don't start thinking what's wrong with our church. Every church has this. I've been to, I even went to Norway and they have this. <laughs> Every church you think is better, just it's it's the same. It's the same because we're all human and we all bring our shortfalls and our and our things into the church. So we're asking for volunteers for July for two of them. And we don't want to keep using the great good-hearted ones because they burn out. Yeah. And when they burn out, they, they it's, it's a it's a it's a sour taste in your mouth. You know what I mean? And then when you get asked again, you don't want to do it again. So if everyone collaborates together, we can do a great job for our kids. That's our future. You yeah. might find your preacher in there. So, you know, yeah. they're there. So they're going to take care of us when we're when we're older. So let's remember <laughs> that, that this is our time. I, I can tell you that my kids remember their teachers. And I, the one couple in particular was Iram and Jackie. They had a big impact on my kids. And they, and they love them to this day. So it's an awesome, awesome experience. Okay. So I'm going to lead us in our communion, Sir Munion. I want to, again, say happy Father's Day to everybody. Happy and also happy Juneteenth. It's a great holiday to celebrate. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, if you can just turn there with me, it's a great passage that we're going to take a look at. One of them, it was a few we're going to look at, but here's one just to kind of remind us that there is a time for everything. A time to uproot in a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build. You know, we've been talking a lot about relationships in our church. Thank you. We've been talking a lot about relationships in our church. Relationship with God and a relationship with each other. It's so important for all of us to make sure that we're always continually working on our relationship with God. It's Especially if you've been around 20, 30 years as a Christian, it's so important to make sure you rejuvenate your relationship with God. A few weeks ago, before I got stuck in Norway, before my luggage got lost, my luggage is still on vacation, by the way. <laughs> still, you know, roaming the countryside of France or Norway. Who knows when I'll, it'll return to me. But we got three out of the four back. But the most important one is missing. Go figure. I'm wearing European European clothing, so yeah. please uh, bear with my new style. Uh, I did. I, I I bought white shoes, but I, I was that was too bold to wear today. It's too bold for America. I'll, I'll, I'll put those back on when I go to Norway again. You know, part of being a, a someone who can grow in their relationship with God, one of the one of the factors that helps you keep growing 
is that you're, you're kind of aware of what's going on inside of you, inside of your heart. You're kind of you're kind of paying attention to the pain and the sadness you face. Even as a Christian, you can be very sad. Even as a Christian, you can be in a lot of pain. Being a disciple, being faithful, being loving, being amazing. But there's a lot of stuff going on in there. And it's important that we don't deny it. We don't minimize it. We don't try to blame other people. We don't rationalize it. We don't intellectualize it. We don't become hostile. But it's important, especially if you're a dad. If you're a dad, you have probably worked very, very hard and still do as a father. Being a father is exhausting. I know women gave us life. To, I mean, women gave us the children. Amen. There's a, there's a, there's a Mother's Day for that. But I want to talk more about a father. <laughs> Okay, and I'm here to, I'm, I'm their advocate. Amen. I am their advocate. It is exhausting. There's a lot of expectation. Come on. You have a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And man, it, not only just being married, but just being a dad. Yeah. I mean, you're, there's, 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 there's two things there. You're, you're trying to make sure your marriage is good. And you're also trying to be a, you know, I'm trying to be a dad. And what do I want my kids to know? And what should they know? So I, I saw something on Instagram that I thought, I'd share with you, and I thought it made a lot of sense as a dad. There's some biblical principles to this. Sometimes you find interesting things on social media, but here I thought these would be truthful, and I want to share them with you. It, it was entitled Nine Uncomfortable Truths for Fathers. Nine Uncomfortable Truths for Fathers. So that perked my curiosity. I wonder what they have to say. See if it's true. Number one, Sacrificing your own needs for your family is not noble. Sacrificing your own needs for your family is not noble. That's true. Healing is not selfish. Getting yourself aligned right is not selfish. It's selfless. You can't fill up anybody's cup in your family if your cup is empty. Can't. That's an important truth. Second one is one day your children will no longer need you. Some say amen. Others say, well, you know, hold on, right? <laughs> and your actions decide whether that's a gift or a curse. Will, they, will your children write you off because they don't trust you? Or will they thank you for understanding and equipping them for the future? Number three, you have to prioritize your wife over your children. Colossians 3, okay. Ephesians 5, right? The trickle-down effect works one way. If you prioritize your relationship with your wife, you strengthen both relationships. But if you prioritize your children over your wife, everyone suffers. That is true. That is very true. Number four, you will create a father wound in your children. You will create a father wound in your children. There's no getting away from this. You're responsible for its intensity. Is it going to be a wound that crushes? Or is it going to be something that imparts them a tools? And because you've modeled the behavior, that'll make it a mere speed bump. So we're going to give them a wound. I've given my kids wounds. And they'll, just like my dad's giving his wounds. We're going to give it. The next one is set boundaries for your kids or you'll lose them to the metaverse. Set boundaries for your kids. Put down your cell phones when you're talking to your children. Talk about reality. 
Talk about the downsides of social media. That's a good discussion as a father. Create fun-filled memories. Remember taking my kids camping every summer. We love to go camping. Now they're asking why we didn't even go to Hawaii. Because we love camping kids. Because we love camping. That's why. We're a camping family. Now they're asking weird questions. <laughs> Make sure that you help your kids live in the real world and not in the metaverse. The next one is you model what your children expect from a man. Do you want your son to grow up and be like you? Do you want your daughter to marry a man like you? You know, your children will use you as, your, as their measuring stick. What kind of life are we going to set them up for? The next one is you don't decide, this is huge. You don't decide when or if your children forgive you. You don't decide that, they do. I know we want, oh, I said, sorry, come on, forgive. Oh, hold up, hold up there, tiger. You don't decide that, they decide. And when they decide, it's gonna be awesome. And hopefully you're creating an environment like that at home where, I don't know about you, in my house, there's apologies every day. Yeah. There's some sorries every day. I'm 90% of the guy saying sorry for some reason. <laughs> it's odd. But I'm saying I'm sorry a lot. I went to Norway and we lost our luggage and I got super irritated. I got annoyed. I needed a brother, but I was surrounded by sisters, you know? And I didn't handle it well. And the sisters were annoyed at me. My wife's annoyed. My daughter's annoyed. Christine's annoyed. They want nothing to do with me. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just, out of my mind and I needed a brother to talk to there was no one there and so I got stuck with the women who are, who are just saying stop it stop it control yourself and I just was having a hard time so after you calm down you realize the wake of destruction you leave you know when you calm down going well it wasn't that bad and you look going, okay it was pretty bad I'm so sorry right I'm so sorry so I apologize when I was healing from then I got then I got COVID, so I'm like, okay, God, I get the I get the message. And then I apologized, and it was awesome. Um, fathers will pass unhealed wounds to their children. When you don't when you don't deal with your wounds, you'll pass them on. That's something that that I I've done already. Right? I passed it on. I'm just trying to repair myself and, re and repair the relationship because of my unhealed wounds that I'm just, just scratching the surface off, just realizing, you know, stuffing injuries was not noble. You know, I thought it was, but it's not, it hurt me. Um, isolation destroys a father's spirit because lone wolves die. Lone wolves don't raise cubs. Without, without a community of supportive men, dads become overburdened and teach people that people are untrustworthy. You want your kids to know that you have a community of men you go to because you want them to trust others, other men in their life because lone wolves will die. We need that. It's important. And so I hope that that stirs you a little bit to think about what age of the spectrum you're on with your kids. If you're new, new, a new dad or you're a dad who's going to see their kids they're already grown up and moved on 
you're still that and you're still awesome. I'll give you one bit of advice. As, as they age, your control becomes influence. If it doesn't, they will, they will rarely come around you. They will rarely come around you because it's influence that wins the day, not our control. That's an important factor. Some parents have a hard time making that switch, but it, it's really a, it's a, it's a life of influence now and trying to be a, a great uh, friend and, and, a, and a consultant to them. I say consultant loosely, like, hey, if you want my advice, I'll give it to you. Because that window already passed of all the training. It's gone. The window's, I had my window. It, it left me. I can't bring it back. And I, the reason why I bring these things up, because as a dad, your emotional, healthy state spiritually will speak volumes to your family and to your kids. Are you emotionally healthy? Fathers, are you emotionally healthy? Mothers, are you emotionally healthy? In the Bible, there was a man named Job. He was the Elon Musk of his day. Or he was Bill Gates of his day. However, wherever your age group is, he was the Elon Musk. He was the richest man known. He had many sons and daughters. And Job is a lesson on how deeper we need to go in our walk with God if we're ever going to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. He's a good example of what it means to be emotionally healthy and spiritual. He models for us how to grieve in the family of Jesus. How to grieve in this family. This is your family. This is God's family. You are part of God's household. And it's important that you look at Job because it shows us how to grieve, how to process our sadness and our pain, especially when it comes to our families. Although we're disciples, we suffer tremendously in the area of sadness, depression, and isolation. So it's a great example. Look at me in Job chapter 3. Come on, Jude. Verse 1. Job gives us a new radical way of going forward. You got to pay attention to yourself. I try to do that every day. I try to take my take my temperature, not physically, but emotionally. What what am I feeling today? Especially when I hear bad news, discouraging news. Especially when I look at the face of my wife at the airport and go, would you just be quiet for 10 seconds? <laughs> Pay attention to yourself. Job in one day lost everything. Kids, natural disaster came. Lost his riches by raiding parties. Everything was taken. He was poor. He went from the highest to the lowest. And in church, we don't talk enough about our anger and our sadness and our waiting and our depression. We usually ask, how are you doing? And sometimes, even though we're going through a bad state, we say, oh, I'm doing great. How are you? We just kind of bypass it. It's just not that we're malicious. We're just not going to think about it. We just kind of want to move on. And we just say, hey. Because you get that question asked 10 times a day in this in service today. If you haven't been asked three times, you're not in fellowship, right? That's the question we always ask, is how are you doing? 
He's got a double edge. So in verse one, Job doesn't stuff stuff. He screamed it. He's not holding anything back. Look what Job says. Job three, curse the day of my birth. You ever pray like that on a bad day? God cursed the day I was born. May the day of my birth perish in the night that said a boy is conceived, that it may turn to darkness. Wow. That's Job. That's how he felt when he had lost his children, when he had lost his, his riches, his properties, gone. That was his reaction. Curse the day that I was born, God. Can you imagine talking to God like that? Job did, and it was good. We don't because we rarely see people pray like that. When I take you to pray with me, you're saying very nice things to God, right? When you pray with your brother and sister, they're saying pretty, you're like, well, I should be more praiseworthy. Yeah. I have yet to pray with a brother who said to God, curse the day I was born. <laughs> you and this life is horrible. We usually say nice things to God. Look at me in Job chapter 6. Job is suffering loss. He's, he's in pain. He's hurting. Imagine losing your children to a natural disaster. Right? In verse 2 of Job 6, if only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on the scales. It would surely outweigh the sands of the sea. No wonder my words have been impetuous. The arrows of the Almighty are in me, meaning God shot me with arrows. God has caused me this pain. My spirit drinks in their poison. God's terrors are marshaled against me. Job shouted at God. Job prayed wild prayers. He told God exactly what he was feeling. For 35 chapters, we read how he struggled with God. And then his friends show up and they blame Job. It's your fault your kids are dead. It's your fault you have your riches have been taken from you because you are in sin. And the Bible is clear that he's not. He's innocent. So let's not jump to conclusions when someone's suffering and think that, oh, they must be sinning. Let's not take advantage of that truth barometer just yet because Job was innocent. He doubted. He wept. He wondered where God was and why in the world was this happening to me, God? He didn't avoid the horror, but he confronted it directly. I don't know if you knew this, but two-thirds of the Psalms are laments, Psalms of sadness. Sons of complaints to God. In Genesis 6, we see that God grieved when he made man because man had become depraved. David wrote poetry after the death of Saul and his best friend. David commanded his army to sing a lament song to God in 2 Samuel chapter 1. He made his army sing a sad song for their king who had died and his best friend and the prince Jonathan. Jeremiah wrote an entire book entitled Lamentations, lamenting 
sadness, crying because Jerusalem, the city of God, was falling to a foreign power. Ezekiel lamented when he was in exile. Daniel lamented and cried. Jesus wept over Lazarus. Jesus cried out in grief over Jerusalem and the lack of acceptance of him being the Messiah. These are godly men who are paying attention to how they were feeling. I know it sounds mushy, man, but it's true. We try to steal ourselves for too long. We injure ourselves and those around us. Believe me, I've done that and I still do it. because That's my nature is to steal myself when pain comes. It's hard to let it feel. But as Mio tells me, your body, Geo, does not lie. So when you see me with my hair out, chunks of hair falling out, you know I've been stuffing. And call me out on it. I need to grieve over that. You know, as disciples, as men and women made in the image of God, what has happened to us that we're so uncomfortable with this rare and confusing bluntness that we read in the Bible? Why aren't we more like that? with God. That's a relationship with God. You ever fight with your husband? You ever yell at your husband and call him names? You ever yell at your wife and call her names? We do it all the time, but we don't do it there. Right? That's where we're going to get our strength from. This is where we got to process. This is the pain we process with God. That's why your relationship with God is so important as you age as a Christian, especially as you get older. Your prayers can become more formal as you get older. I know how to pray. I'm past the axe now. I'm, I'm moving on to other things. And we forget to process that we're lonely, that we're desperate, that we're afraid, that we're scared. We forget to process these things. Or sometimes we don't want to process them. One time I yelled at God because I failed the test. I thought I was going to die that day. I thought I'm dead. I'm a dead man. I was a baby Christian and I said a curse word at God. And I was like, I'm a dead man. Car's going to hit me. I'm not going to make it home today. And I, and I, and I felt so bad. I felt so discouraged and I, and I steeled myself. What I should have done was I should have kept processing. But I didn't learn it in church, how to pray like that. I, I learned in church how to pray. Formally, correctly, righteously. And I didn't see a lot of people telling God with their fists in the air, what have you done to me? I, I didn't see that. So I thought that was out of bounds. And I read the book of Job. I'm like, it's right there. It's right there. Staring me at the, in the face. Not just him, but many others. I mean, David said, I wish I will turn my enemies into fine dust. I want to kill everyone who hates me. That was his prayer. God, destroy my enemies. That was his quiet time. God kill everyone at work. Destroy them. That was his quiet time. And we, we balk at it because that sounds, that sounds so unchristian. It sounds biblical. But we, we, we've been so like taught that it's out of bounds and it's not. It's in the Bible. It's right there. It's there for us to read Jesus screaming and crying. I mean, look at all the epistles that are written. You think Paul's just writing those cute little letters? He's mad. Who has bewitched you? Who has tricked you? He's angry in these letters. Expel that immoral brother. 
I mean, he's ticked. But yet when we process with God, we stay away from those emotions because they're out of bounds. I tell you, church, they're not out of bounds. They're right in bounds. And we should get there more often. It'll help you process and, and make it spiritually to the end. Because what happens is when you don't do that and you don't process with God before God, your, your fear, your sadness, your anger, you start with what we call leaking. Things start coming out of you. You start to become passive aggressive. It's me, it's Gio Garces right there. I'm passive aggressive at home. I don't like something, I'm mad at something. I'll get sarcastic with you. Bang, take that, right? We do that. Sarcastic remarks, a nasty tone of voice, or we give the silent treatment. We do that. I do that. Because we're not paying attention to what's going on. Or we don't want to know what's going on. We don't want to feel lost. But if we don't, that pain will deaden us. It'll slow our ability to love others. That's the second thing we have to do as disciples is love God and love others. It's the cornerstone of relationship. Job's misery lasted maybe months, maybe years. We don't know. But here's what we do know. He paid attention to God and himself. And you can see that clearly for 35 chapters. <laughs> He chose to enter the confusion of his personal dark nights of the soul. You know, we were watching Stranger Things yeah, in yeah. San Diego. <laughs> Sarah for Jaden at a tournament. And uh, it's a creepy show, actually. It's, it's, actually, it's actually the supernatural... It's actually the supernatural world. Like we live in this world, but right opposite of this world is a supernatural world that we don't see. It's the unseen world. Right. That's what Stranger yeah. Things is. That's the message. It's amazing. It's not a Christian show, but it is. It's like super Christian in my view. And there's this, there's this thing on the other side. It's creepy. And I'm sleeping at night. Yes. And I don't know if you ever feel this, but at nighttime, like you ever felt like someone's pushed you like in the middle of the night, like someone woke you up, like, you got pushed. I woke up, I go on, uh, like something pushed me. Like my, either I was sitting with my head, my head went, I'm like, and I woke up and I go, and I look, and this may, and this may be my last sermon here. I'm just, gonna it, I'm just gonna put it out there. This could be my last sermon. You guys could do away with me after this confession. I saw something like a fire, like a flame floating by my bed, two of them. And my body was in terror. You ever have that where your body, your hairs are on your head on, on, and you feel that moment of terror? I've only felt it a few times in my life. One when my dad had the belt out when I was young and, and, and the, other, the other night. Terror like, and I was just frozen and I'm watching this flame. I'm going, is this a dream? Am I awake? And I just, cause the room was very dark cause Karen likes Dracula dark, which scares me by the way. <laughs> And so these little flames are flying, like moving around slowly in my room. And then they disappear. 
And then I told myself, I am not watching Stranger Things anymore. <laughs> and Karen's like, why didn't you tell me? I was in shock. What am I supposed to do? I froze. I'm like frozen, I'm like a popsicle. <laughs> but it reminded me of a couple things. One, there's a real supernatural world. But two, I saw what seemed to me like tongues of fire that came to rest on each of them. And that reminded me of that. I'm like, oh, is God sending me a message that the word has to be preached on many languages, foreign missions, world missions? You know, we have special missions coming up yeah. next, next Sunday. It's a time to be generous. It's a time to give. It's a time to make sure that we make sure the mission gets out there in the Nordics and the Baltics. Yeah. I thought maybe it had, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was just in a dream state. I don't know what it was. Like I said, this could be my last sermon. <laughs> but I felt the terror and I felt the fear and that morning I prayed I said God I don't know if that was you but it was scary if that was you it frightened me it frightened me I literally was scared for my life for like 30 seconds so fathers I want to encourage you I want you to work on yourself emotionally I want you to go on that journey, take a step, work on yourself, pay attention to what you're feeling. Maybe it's the wounds of your father. Maybe it's the wounds from your mother, but I want you to encourage you to work on yourself emotionally. Start to, to, to dip into those moments of pain and process with God and your wife. Free yourself from the damage that's holding you back. You're strong because you're dads, but you're also hurting too because you're dads. And telling God is the key to freedom because he's a father too. He gets it. He knows pain and he knows sacrifice. Happy Father's Day. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, Dad. You're you're, you're a safe place to talk. You're a safe place to tell what we, what's going on. You of all people know. And uh, you help heal us. And you bring a, a supernatural healing to us when we begin to address the injuries. Because you're, you're dad. And it's a spiritual relationship. And there are certain things that only spiritual things can be healed, God, in our heart through you. The damage has been done to us. And maybe we'll live with that damage for the rest of our lives. But it doesn't mean we can't spend some time with you and process those losses and those disappointments and the what ifs. Those are important for all of us, but especially our dads, our fathers in the audience and our fathers who are uh, online with us and our fathers who will watch this video one day, that they'll know that they can do it to take a step on that journey to feel so we don't leak and we don't get aggressive passively and we don't isolate ourselves. But God, we surround ourselves with your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
for our contribution next week is our special missions we're going to have a special mission sunday just to uh remind you what that is it's every year we give a contribution this year i've i've asked the church to pray about your the amount you want to give when you pray about it god will put some on your heart i don't want to limit the generosity to like a number i think that's not good but i think if god puts something on your heart and you give it, and you give it cheerfully, God is pleased, and he'll work with that. So our goal is 24,000. 15% uh, of that is going to go to the Ukrainian disciples who uh, fled out of Ukraine. I met with a few of them in Norway. They're amazing women. Their husbands are still there. Um, their sons are still there, and but they're in the church, and, they're, and so we're, we're creating funds for them to have their papers done, apartments, clothing, rental, help them get the language courses to learn Norwegian so they can go work. So 15% goes there. Another 15% goes to local church planting like Merced, California, San Luis Obispo, Reno, Nevada. We, you've been contributing to that fund for years and churches have been planted in these cities. Ministers hired, churches growing. Awesome job. Uh, another the 40% goes to the Baltic Mission Alliance, which is um, the churches in Norway, Sweden. That, uh, they have a church planning in, in Uppsala, Sweden. And they're going to plan another one in Goth, Gothburg, I think, in Sweden in next year. So it's happening. Um, and also goes to the Estonian churches. The Latvian churches and Latvian churches has doubled inside, not through baptisms, through refugees. So the church is full, like it doubled in size. 150 disciples and their families have entered the city of Riga for refuge, and the church has taken them in. Um, so that 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 fund also helps the refugees as well, not just the church staff, but the refugees. And another 30% goes to our local shoreline here. I call this the Jerusalem church here. So we have our local ministries, our local hires to build our infrastructure here so we can grow and thrive. Amen. And that's our contribution. We've raised over $5,000 so far, but next week is our is, is the window closes. So I want to encourage you to pray, to give, and to be fired up because we're going to celebrate special missions in the park here with some ice cream okay. in July. So we're going to celebrate uh, all the generous donations you guys have given to help the mission get out there in the world and also the mission right here in Jerusalem. Let's pray for special missions. God, thank you so much for the honor of giving. Thank you for showing us generosity so we can in turn become generous as well. We're so grateful for the opportunity. We pray for the Ukrainian disciples, pray for the mission out there in the, the Nordics and the Baltics. 
We pray for the church in Norway specifically that you would help them come to unity. There's a lot of strife and pain and hurts. And I pray, God, that you'll work through Karen and I to help bring some great restoration and resolution there. And thank you so much, God, for just the Shoreline Church. Uh, for many years, been faithful uh, to special missions. And it's so great to see local churches being planted. And we pray for the Merced planting uh, with John Oaks. We pray for him and we pray for that plan to be a success in the Central Valley of California. And we're just so grateful for all the blessings you've given us. Please bless our special missions. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out Thank there. You. We're Thank so you. thankful for each one of you. Support your heart. Even to people who aren't in your own family, you give a lot of love to everyone else here in the church. We're really grateful for you. And even you guys online. <laughs> I hope you guys are enjoying your day. I also want to once again thank all the grads. You guys are amazing. All the hard work, especially from uh, a lot of work to like Jordan, where's she over there? Getting a P, uh, not PhD, getting your uh, bachelor's in biology. That's not easy. And then also Ryan, who's with our teens right now, but him getting his bachelor's in business. It's it's really amazing to see you guys accomplish that. Amen. Um, we have a, a sister getting married soon. Rebecca Swan over there. In a couple of weeks, we have her bridal shower coming up. And I just wanted to throw that out there. It's been in the calendar, but you know, sometimes we miss things in the calendar. So I just wanted to ask you to say the date for her shower it's july 2nd it's a saturday it's 11 a.m it's at the clubhouse at alice's where alice lives at the village of the park so uh if you can as sisters say the date that would be great to you guys are amazing cooks i experienced a lot of your great cooking oh, yeah. this morning Phenomenal. amazing food um and i'd love to see you there to support and encourage her and send her off because then she's going to be moving to Santa Clarita. <laughs> but uh, she always has a home here in Shoreline. And we want to just express our love for her there um, on the shower day. Um, another thing, uh, I know we are enjoying these potlucks. And uh, we had this to honor the dads and grads in July. July 17th, we're having a, a potluck, a barbecue potluck. So I want you to write that in so that you can save the date too to uh, just we're gonna have a great service. It'll be after service, so you can sleep in a little bit, and it'll be a great time together. And as Gio said, in in August, we're gonna have ice cream midweek, and that will be towards like the the middle of August. I think in August, a lot of people are still gonna be on vacation at the beginning of August, so we're gonna move it more towards the end of August. And then we also have our shoreline camping trip. It's gonna be let's go uh, on Labor Day weekend. And uh, so uh, thank you, Isabel, for uh, planning that all together. Community building. And thank you, all of you guys who are helping uh, to make that happen for Shoreline to be that. Yep. So that's all for announcements. Enjoy your Father's Day today. Thank and that you. concludes our service. Enjoy the fellowship, dads.
great job today, Greg. Oh, uh, well, great job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 thank you. Yeah. 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 You know what rice versus two is good? Uh, yeah. Susan. Yeah, I was, but I was yeah, yeah. in the building. I was working at. Yeah. 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 Yeah.